So you're a saver, you budget, you're conscious about where your money goes. All good, right? Not really, especially if you're married to someone who's your complete opposite. You do everything you can in your power to achieve the lifestyle you want, but you turn into a fun sucker and are perceived as controlling or constantly feeling misunderstood. So what gives and what can you do to change that? Well, in our show today, we've got your answer. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Ryan Inman, and so happy to have you back for the show. For those of you that are new, welcome, my new friends. Really excited to have you here with us nerding out about personal finance and how we're helping physicians achieve financial independence. Make sure you subscribe. Come back each Monday and Friday, as that is our schedule that we release new shows. For those of you that have been around a few months or even way back since the beginning, There are thousands of you. You guys are the best, and I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. As we continue to grow and help more physicians and their families, it's even more important that all of you continue to grow in your financial literacy. I'm hopeful that you're taking action, you're paying down debts, you're getting the right repayment plan set up on your student debt, you're investing with confidence, and you're not trying to time the market. And of course, so much more. If the show has brought you any value at all, please help me reach more physicians by sharing the show with a few friends. It would not only mean the world to me, but think of how much we can help those that get to listen to the show. You have no idea how excited I am for this show today. Honestly, I think we're missing Taylor since our guests are the Mary duo, Nick and Hannah from Mapped Out Money. It would have been actually really cool to have Taylor on, but she's out saving the lives, so whatever. There's always next time we can have her on sharing our deepest, darkest secrets behind how incredibly awesome I am at managing our finances. (laughs) I'm kidding, and she's probably facepalming right now. And she'd probably also call me the fun sucker like Hannah did with Nick in the show. It's hilarious. Having these two on, they make talking finance fun, and they come from a place of having been there and done that. So before we jump in, let's talk about a topic it's probably not as much fun, and that's disability. Because shopping for disability can be complicated and time-consuming, and our sponsors today are Pattern, and they believe that doctors have more important things to do than spend hours sorting through numerous insurance options. And that's why thousands of doctors have trusted Pattern over the years to help them compare and understand the insurance that they're buying. So shop with Pattern. You can request your quote. You can compare your options, ask questions, and apply risk-free. Be confident that you have the right policy so that your income is protected. And you can do that by going to financialresidency.com slash pattern. So let's now get in and hang out with Nick and Hannah and... Hopefully we can get on the same page as our spouses. What's up guys. Thanks for coming back on the show. Well, Hannah, your first time, but Nick, thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us. This is going to be super fun. So everyone typically knows Nick. Nick's a very popular guy, of course, but Nick helps, you know, us at Physician Wall Services. So all the Mm -hmm. clients know Nick. He helps in the fellowship, so of course people know him, but no one gets to know the boss behind Nick, so I'm really (laughs) excited, Hannah, to have you on. Well, thank you. I do my best to keep Nick in the spotlight and myself out of it, but thanks for having us both. Well, 
you're in the spotlight now because <laughs> you guys have a killer podcast that just really launched the last few weeks, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I finally dragged her. I mean, over the last couple of years, I will rope her into a YouTube video every now and again. And eventually we decided to do a podcast and I've somehow got her on every single episode. So it's really fun. Yeah. Podcasting is better than video. I like it better. Well, I, I like podcasting a lot, obviously, and I've been trying <laughs> to work my way into video and I keep starting and then stopping as Nick knows, because he helps give me guidance on video stuff. At least the video for client calls has been a lot better and cleaner, but I want to talk with you guys on really, and I'm going to call it, we call it the dreaded B word, right? Budgeting. But mm -hmm. I want to talk to you guys on how do you budget with a spouse? And I know like the actual process, of course, of doing this, but there's a very interesting dynamic, let's say, when you have two people who are not necessarily on the same page with money and talking about budgeting. So like, I'll let you guys kind of start it off here. How would you first maybe think about talking about budgeting with your spouse and getting everyone on the same page? I think the number one thing that I say whenever I get asked this question is massive amounts of empathy, which is something that, and I always start there because it's something that I think drove a wedge between us earlier in our marriage when we were trying to budget and get on the same page financially is especially me. I was not really putting myself in Hannah's shoes and not really trying to see things from her perspective. I was seeing what I was seeing. I was seeing the goals that I wanted us to achieve. Even if what I was wanting to do was for us both, if I wasn't putting myself in her shoes and trying to see things from her perspective, none of the budgeting tactics we were going to be trying were going to work. So I always want to start there and we can, we can talk more about kind of what that looks like. Yeah, go ahead. Well, and I think when Nick came to the table with a lot of empathy and trying to actually come at budgeting with like, let's use this to help us achieve the things that we want to achieve. What that made happen in me was to realize that he just wasn't trying to be a fun sucker because up until that point, it just felt like felt kind of controlling. And every time he brought up the budget, it was just a point of contention. And I didn't understand why, why he would get so worked up over certain elements of entering in a transaction or, you know, just staying on top of things the way that he wanted to stay on top of them. It felt like it was only because he had these weird preferences in his mind and that they didn't really matter. And so the second that I realized, hey, he's trying to help us both achieve the things that we want. And I realized he can have fun when we spend money and he can enjoy us doing some of these things. He just needs to know that we're hitting those long term milestones as well. So it shifted from me seeing Nick as a fun sucker to Nick trying to help us enjoy now and be prepared for later. Yeah, I think like most things, the key in marriage is communication. And with budgeting in particular, there were so many things in my head that I just assumed were obvious at the time because I was young and naive. And I, I just assumed like, well, of course we have to budget because how else are we going to be able to buy a home one day? And how else are we going to be able to invest and retire when we want to? And how else are we going to be able to do all these things? you know, it would seem so obvious. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't need to communicate that when in reality, Hannah wasn't focused on the same things in the same way. And I was focused on other things in a different way. And so starting out with, with lots of empathy and just trying to, to put yourself in their shoes, hands down the number one thing you should be doing. Yeah. It's really hard to put yourself, yourself into someone else's shoes. I think it's hilarious by the way, Nick is a, a sucker of fun. 
That is funny. I'm just now never going to look at you differently. I'm just going to be like, he's just going to suck the fun right out of the room. Yeah, man. That's my brother used to call me that growing up. And somehow I've, I've maintained that moniker. Yeah. Nick's brother, Austin and I, we kind of bonded over that initially. Austin was like, listen, I know. I was like, I know you do. (laughs) My brother has all the fun. And so we're, we're opposites in that way. Yeah, you are. No, I, okay. As Nick's friend, I will step in and say that Nick is a lot of fun and I have a great time (laughs) hanging out with Nick. He is. You have to put yourself in his shoes and see that he's seeing how all of the dots connect all the way down the line 50 years from now. And I was seeing like five days from now. So I, I, I struggle. I was looking five minutes from now. I'm like, yeah, that's this right. sounds fun. <laughs> I struggle with I struggle with spontaneous fun. I do really well with planned fun. Is that because of you? I think maybe the backgrounds really give some context to this. I mean, you're type A, you're an engineer by training, yep. right? Yeah. So is that do you think kind of just personality driven? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was the type of kid who, when I was, I remember being four five, six years old. My mom still talks about this, how on Monday morning, I wanted to know like, what are we doing tomorrow? What are we doing Wednesday? What are we doing Thursday? What are we doing Saturday? Like, I've just always been a planner and I've had that written in into my DNA. And I loved being able to plan fun into the budget and into my life so that I could look forward to it and it would happen on sort of my my watch. Over time, I've had to learn how to deal with things not always going according to my plan. Yeah, living in a camper, if if you're used to things going according to your plan, living in a camper will get you right out of that. So, yeah. yeah. I think it's funny because I joke with you, but I am obviously a planner by trade. <laughs> by training, but, yep. But I'm also a planner like in it. So spontaneous things are very tough for me as well. Not from the financial side of it but just like the but i was gonna do that what do you mean we got oh, okay <laughs> mentally gotta like make the shift my mindset changes a little bit i'm okay with it but sometimes i'm like no like i had this all planned in my head today this is what i was doing this is how i was gonna work and when you know a wrench gets thrown it's hard you mentioned like buying a home or investing and retiring thinking long term like did you discuss those you called them obvious goals, but like, did you discuss those goals together when you guys were having some of the issues initially when you were budgeting or was it Nick had this full plan and then you were like, well, I know we have to do it at some point, but I'm not thinking about that at all. We never discussed any of that in detail. At that point, we were very much on like the straight and narrow path of him working as an engineer. I was going to work as a physical therapist. We would do your standard like retirement investment. And then we went for about a year with that being hardcore, the plan and not thinking outside of that, really. You know, it felt like one of those things where we were living off of his internship money, basically, until he could graduate and get a full-time job. So we didn't have to discuss a lot of the details of those long-term things. It was more, it was more of the mindset of, well, once he gets that full-time job, then we'll start maxing out those retirement investments and that'll be our path. Yeah. Maybe to give some more context here, our first year of marriage, I don't think it was anywhere as difficult as what like a lot of physicians have to deal with during residency, but during our first year, we basically got married with a set amount of money in the bank Mm -hmm. and we were making less money in income than we were spending on a monthly basis. So we were just drawing down that, that money because she was in grad school and I was finishing up my bachelor's degree. And we were basically just like, whenever I graduate, I'll get a job as an engineer. Then we can actually do that. So that first year was particularly stressful because we were just watching the bank account balances go down every month. 
And even though that was quote unquote, according to plan, it was still extremely stressful. But to your point, we didn't really talk about the future. We really didn't think not, about, not until a couple of years into our marriage in some ways. Yeah, we never, at that point, we had not thought about blowing up our options and really thinking outside the box of how we wanted to live our life and prepare for the future. And the fact that that could look very different uh, depending on what we wanted. It's funny. I laugh a little bit inside here because I'm like, poor Taylor never had to go through this like experience of just like she got to be free and think of like, you know, in the five minute moment, because I've since the beginning, I've been like, you know, we got to do this. Then your student loans are going to be here. Then you got to do that. And it's like maybe I robbed her of that, that experience. I don't know. She'll thank you later. Yeah, I don't she probably so. already does. <laughs> She's yet to thank me. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see how that, that goes. Yeah, I actually had a, a show that was like what it's like to be married to a financial planner. And we talked about the George Kinder three questions and these life planning pieces. And it's like, so what is that? And she's like, well, it's not that great. It's not that glorious. And I'm like, oh, immediately on my show, it took her two minutes. <laughs> I don't know how Taylor is, but, you know, whenever Nick and I talk like this, it always makes me sound like I'm super not type A and not a planner. But before I met Nick, I very much would have said, you know, I'm a long term thinker. I'm a type A person. I plan things. But then I met Nick and he was on a whole other level. And I think my personality, he too, <laughs> he like if he's that prepared, I'm like, OK, well, I can I can kind of take my foot off the gas a little bit. We don't both need to be that intense. So I think I went even more the other direction, probably more than I had ever been when we got married. Well, I think you have a very like adept skill set and you're really good at a lot of things. And so we've said this a hundred times that the guy that you dated right before right before you guys broke up and then we started dating in that relationship, if you guys had gotten married, you would have been the person who was like leading the charge financially and yeah. budget wise because you you can sort of maneuver. And then when you got married to me, it was like that I was so hardcore that direction. Then you've taken on other things, right? right. Like you sort of lead the charge in our health and our fitness while I kind of lead the charge in our in our finances. Yeah. That's what Taylor and I do. She takes care of all the medical stuff. I take care of all the finance stuff. We just kind of divide and conquer. It makes sense that way. You know, you mentioned, you know, making less than you're spending, like welcome to the life of a resident. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's about the reason. I think a lot of listeners are, you know, in that stage and so they can kind of relate and it is stressful, right? When you, when you're not making the money you deserve to be making that you should be making a lot more and you're trying to figure out how to budget and you're like, well, I'll just, I'll figure this out when I make more money. Yeah, It's always really, really hard mindset to do. And, and Nick, you and I have talked about the concept of like the money dates and having these conversations. I think you called it, what was it like the, like the state of dreaming or the culture yeah. of dreaming or something like that. Yeah. Why, don't, why don't you go into a little bit about that? Cause you have a different thought process than I do on that. Yeah. So, my kind of whole shtick around this, and, and this kind of goes back to what you said with Taylor. I think what happened, like when you said that with Taylor, like when you sit down and go like, Taylor, let's answer these three questions about our life. Like some people are just like not interested in doing and that. Th and then let's record it. Yes. Like that, <laughs> that, was, that was a real tall ask. And then it, and if, you, yeah. if you go listen to it, it was also at like 10 at night after the kids were like super rough that whole day. Yep. Yep. And it, it was, it was really, it was really time. I'm surprised she did it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ryan, the one thing I like in our life is for you to step up a little bit more around the house, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> she probably did say that. <laughs> it wouldn't put it faster, like to blast me how she could just, and probably laughing as she does it. Like she's yeah, not, yeah. A, I don't make her out to be a mean spirited person. Like she's super <laughs> fun and easygoing, but she will take the shot if she can take the shot. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's good. I think that makes you stronger. Okay. You gotta so, have thick skin in my house. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, the culture of dreaming, what, and that's something we kind of started naming it that uh, very recently, honestly. But the, the basic premise is, can you start working in long-term big vision questions in a low risk, low stress, low intense way naturally into the conversation? I'm a naturally curious person. Anybody who's ever known me will, will know that I ask lots of questions all the time about all, everything. And I started doing that in college with my friend group, and then that bled into our marriage. So I will just randomly start asking questions like, if you could live anywhere, assuming your job could move, assuming that you could move your family with you, like extended family, if that matters to you, if you could live in any city in the world, where would you live? If you could live in any type of house, what would it be? What's your dream goal? Like, what's your dream vacation? For Hannah, it would be like going to Australia and getting in a cage with sharks swimming around or something, right? Just talking big life questions. What's your dream car? What's your dream type of trip? But when he first would start doing that, it got on my nerves because all of those (laughs) things felt so far-fetched, like they would never happen. So I was like, why are you wasting my mental energy right now in talking about these random questions? And looking back on all of those conversations, I realized that talking about things and those big hypothetical scenarios like that, they really did actually kind of reveal some things. Like I, I've always been more of like a creative type person. And so when we would have all those conversations, I would give them a sarcastic answer of, Oh, I don't know. I would make seashell necklaces and live in the Bahamas or, you know, whatever. And really that went back to things that I liked when I was younger. Like I've always liked decorating and been interested in interior design type stuff and, you know, lots of things that I neglected because I felt like physical therapy is a respectable path and it's the path that I should follow. And so I picked that and then I just put my head down and did that. And after I graduated and started thinking like, well, this isn't actually what I, what I have to do with the rest of my life if I don't want to, then I kind of started thinking about when I'm answering these questions where he's asking me if I could do anything, it's all of the more creative things. It's nothing to do with being a physical therapist. So there was a lot of of value that came out of that. But I think as far as having empathy with your spouse, you do need to think about when you're bringing those things up, if it's almost going to feel more discouraging to your spouse initially and kind of work through some of that. Because I remember when I, the first time we sat down and had a like dreaming budget conversation, we talked about all these things that we would want. And then we went through and like estimated expenses and costs of what it would take to do that. And we were nowhere close. And I told Nick, I was like, well, this sucks. I don't want to do this. Like, why did you make me sit down and do this? You just ruined like my whole day. And he's like, what are you talking about? This is great. This shows us what we need to do to work towards all these things. So we need to do A, B, C, you know, whatever. And I didn't see it that way at all. But to have that conversation and to see, okay, this is pointing out action steps that we can do to Nick, whereas it just feels discouraging to me, he kind of helped bring me up to that action step level. So I, I got more on board with that. Was there a certain point or trigger? Because this, this, I'm fascinated with this because I am way on Nick's side of this table and I'm not on your side. So I am curious just for my own sanity. Was there a point in time or a trigger or something that was like, Nick's asking me a bunch of silly, stupid questions to, hmm, this actually could be important. Maybe I'll answer it a little more seriously or put a little more thought into it. Like, was there a trigger that was like a light bulb kind of going off? Or sometimes like when we talk to clients, I can see all of a sudden you see their face go 
kind of like, obviously I'm doing it on a podcast. It doesn't make any sense for anyone <laughs> listening, right? But it's like, you get the big eyes, you kind of like become more alert. You see the, the hamster wheel turning now or the light bulb mm-hmm. like turning on. Was there any moment that was, or did he just basically do this enough that you ingrained that maybe you should just take it seriously and he'll stop asking you? Well, the big thing that happened, which it sounds so small in the grand scheme of things, but the big thing that changed kind of changed my thought process there was pets. And so like I'd been wanting a Mm. dog and that felt like such a looking back, that feels like a very minor thing, but you know, Nick, it's quite a big thing actually. (laughs) Well, if you could have any kind of dog, what kind of dog would you have? And of course it had to be an expensive dog. And so Nick started laying out that doesn't just have to be something that you dream about. And, you know, we talk about in the hypothetical, we can start working towards that. And so that really was the first instance where we put that into action. And I realized, okay, we did that for a dog. Now we can do that for other things. Something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's the real connection with the culture dreaming idea is you start with the big questions a lot. And and if they get annoying, then pull back a little bit. But the point is just to get you thinking without any sort of arguments. Like you don't get to say, oh, well, I want to live in San Diego. Well, I'd rather live in uh, Aspen, Colorado. And it's like, that's not the point. (laughs) The point is, if you could do anything, what would you do, right? In any of these scenarios. And Hannah, dogs came up all the time. Yeah, We had two cats at the time. Dogs came up all the time. And so one day I forget, I mean, I kind of remember where we were because I remember what apartment we were in, but like, I remember really going over dinner and going, okay, listen, we've been talking about this dog thing for a while. What if we like actually did it? Let's do the research. How much does it cost to get them? How much does it cost to get a crate? How much on toys? How much on food? Da, 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 working in the budget. Hey, look, we can get a dog in a couple of months. And the other thing is, if you asked Nick's parents, family, friends, anything, they would tell you that he would never have a dog. Like they all thought he did not like animals. And so I kind of thought that a little bit. I was like, oh, he just sees them as an expense. He doesn't want to spend the money on them. Like he's never, I'm always going to have to twist his arm to try to make him get a dog or whatever. And when I realized no, I'm not. He'll actually enjoy this. If we're working together on the budget, he'll actually get on board and get excited about the dog. Then, you know, it helped me get on board with the budget. So that's really interesting. Um, Unlike that dynamic on what the shift was between the the two of you to see that. Nick, do you like dogs? I'm now I'm just really curious. I love them now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Because I know you've talked about them, but I didn't know like there was this backstory. So yeah, Mm -hmm. back in the day, I was not really, really a big pet person. When we first got married, I had one cat and Nick actually wanted me to get rid of the cat before we got married. And thankfully, I kind of asked a couple of close friends if they would take my cat. And they said, no, thankfully, because he's the best. And now Nick loves him. Looking uh, looking back, I tell Hannah, like, you should have broken up our engagement. Honestly, <laughs> like I was terrible. Like I should not have asked you to do that. You should have been like, listen, I come with a cat, take it or leave it. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm glad that, that we didn't because now we have two cats and two dogs and I can't imagine life without them. Which for those that don't know, two cats, two dogs, and you RV full time. Yeah, in 180 square foot. So that's that adds that's, some flavor. That's the part that blows my mind. <laughs> that blows my mind. So Nick, everyone knows how much you, and obviously Hannah, you edit and do all the, a lot of creativity stuff behind the scenes, but Nick is the the face of like your guys' YouTube channel. You guys talk a ton about you need a budget or YNAB. Nick, you coach our clients through YNAB. Like is it, we know that this is the tool after you've, we've gone through process of elimination, but how can people that aren't working with us utilize that tool to have both spouses on the same page? Well, 
to answer this question, let me set it up with how we got that tool in the first place. So because I'm so type A, I was budgeting with Quicken like back in the day. Whenever I first started, I was, I don't know, 19 or 20 because my dad used Quicken. I was like, hey, I should like have money things going on. He's like, yeah, use Quicken. That's what you use. So I was using Quicken for years and then we got married. And so I was just like, well, we'll just keep kind of doing this. And then also similar to residency, Hannah at the time was going to physical therapy school and she had an assistantship at Ohio State in Columbus. And I was living in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And so she was going 10 hours away for like 10 weeks, right? Mm -hmm. So Hannah goes away and she's got her credit cards and her debit cards, right? And we're paying for rent and all the stuff in Ohio. And all of a sudden she's buying stuff and not big stuff, groceries, Mm -hmm. right? normal, like I need to live because now I live in Ohio for 10 weeks. And I'm, you know, we haven't figured out our communication yet in our marriage. And so I'm calling her up, you know, going, Hey, what the heck did you just spend? Yeah. You just spent, you know, $70 on groceries. And if you had waited two more days then we would have had more money in the budget. Yeah. We don't have enough money in groceries. Like you can't be doing that. We're going to like overdrive our checking account. Like, yeah, you can't do that. Right. And Hannah pushed back wisely and was like, well, listen, dude, the budget is only on your computer on Quicken on your laptop. How in the world can you expect me to like stick to anything remotely? I'm moving here. And because the other part was Nick would get really irritated with me if I would call and ask permission in air quotes to buy something like, Hey, I want to, I want to buy this thing. Can I get it? He'd be like, well, I don't want to be like the controlling person who tells you whether or not you can buy stuff. And I'm like, okay, well you get mad when I just buy it. So what do you want me to do? Yeah. It was this dichotomy because I, I did. I wanted us to. I wanted us to be a partnership. I wanted us to be, you know, on the same page and making decisions together. But we we didn't have a tool that would help us. And so our big thing was like, how can we find? We, we need to find something new. So I went through this whole process, landed on YNAB. There's other tools out there that will work. The main thing is tra- big transparency between you two and, and something that you guys can both buy into. So we got on YNAB, which was great because it updated. It was on both of our phones. It was on both of our laptops. We could both see it all the time. And that started giving us some transparency into, you know, what was actually going on. And what I always say with with YNAB or any other tool when you're first starting, if you guys haven't been budgeting at all, is don't go intense for your first month or two. Like set up a really simple budget. So that means not a ton of categories, just a, a few like handful of categories to get going. And then don't try and make big changes. Just like whatever you currently do on groceries, just keep doing that. Don't try and make big cuts. Don't try and like save way more than you currently save. Just get a tool in place that will track how you're currently living your life. Then through all the dreaming conversations and stuff like that, you can start to have conversations of, okay, now that we have data on what we've been doing, are we happy with that? Let's look at that data and see, do we want to make a change to prioritize getting a dog or taking that dream trip to Europe or you know, whatever it is for you. And it wasn't like a magic moment that fixed everything because once we started using YNAB, our angry phone calls kind of transitioned to Nick, like calling and saying, why haven't you entered your last seven transactions? I was like, it took took me a while. It took me a while to have more empathy. Okay. We've, we've grown a lot over these past six years of our marriage, but I had a little transition and it took me longer than it should have. But you know, we don't have kids, but I remember as a kid, like my mom telling me to, you know, go write my spelling words 10 times each before I'd go to my friend's house. And I would complain about it for like an hour before I would just sit down and write my spelling words and then go do what I wanted to do. So after Nick had been fussing at me for a while about why I wouldn't enter my transactions and how he was always having to go back and enter things and blah, blah, blah. I was like, why am I doing this to myself? 
if I just entered my transactions, if I took like 20 seconds after I check out somewhere and put this in YNAB, I don't have to listen to this talk over and over again. So well, and that goes, started doing it. That yeah. goes for everything in marriage, right? I used to have a long man bun that was about 10 inches long and my hair would clog the shower just as much as yours. And I kind of eventually found the same thing. Like, oh, if I just actually got my hair out of the shower, she won't fuss at me about this we won't have to fight every time you find my hair in the shower. This is hilarious. I love it so much. <laughs> I love it so much. I'm curious, like, why don't you use the automated linking the account instead of manually entering? So these days we do we do both. On the business budget, we have everything linked up. On the personal, we have 80% of it linked up. The main reason we did not for the first two years is because, and we talked about this, but we felt fairly strongly that if we did manual entry, it would force us to be intimate with the budget and really like see what's going on. The other thing was we had some fairly aggressive goals during that time period of our life. And not that we don't now, but we're just more used to things now. We have a habit and a routine. But back then, we were aggressively trying to save money. I was working a ton of overtime to like build up money. You were going 90, 90 miles an hour in therapy school and like assistantship stuff. That was when we were trying to buy an Airstream, figure out how to transition like away from Chattanooga into the RV life and all that kind of stuff. And so we, we just had some aggressive financial goals and we felt like if we manually entered stuff, it would force us to stay on top of it. And it comes back to the whole Dave Ramsey mentality of feeling what you're spending instead of just swiping yeah, yeah. a credit card. You know, we, we use credit cards and we've always used credit cards and done really well with credit card bonuses. So we didn't want to do an all cash system. Not to mention I have empty hand syndrome and I set things down everywhere. So like me carrying massive amounts of cash is just never a, good, a idea. good idea. So we, we felt like entering things in manually was a way to get that same feeling of using cash without using cash. So every time I'm buying something with my spending money, you know, I go in there and I enter it and I see like, Oh, I only have 15 more dollars left of my spending money this month. So it makes you a lot more mindful. Yeah, I could totally see that. I I know that I would one never get Taylor to be able to enter in transactions because she just would not be on that. But I don't think I would want to do that either. And I'm I've tried to put myself in that position. I I really don't think that it's because I enjoy the things that when like someone else can do something for me to help me get to a goal. Mm-hmm. So the automation helps me get there, but I still obviously analyze what it is. I should mention that I have a one page download for anyone in our community listening, that if you want to know how we have organized clients budgets with their categories and also with the percentage that they're spending. So we've obviously got it anonymous. We've compiled all the data with the hundreds of physicians that we work with and the percentages that they're spending of their, you know, take home pay. You can download it in the link of the description of the podcast. One more thing on that whole sort of you and automating versus like manual entering. I think that it is a balance of knowing yourself, kind of like what we've talked about earlier. And so if you know that you're not going to enter it, I would have you automate as much as possible if that's what's going to keep you on the budget. If you're fairly new to budgeting and you have absolutely no understanding of what is currently even happening with your money, I like doing manual entry, even if it's just for one month, you commit to like for the next 30 days, I'm going to enter every transaction just to bring some sense of awareness to what you're doing with you and Taylor. You've been in this world for so long. You've been using some sort of tracking or budgeting tool for so long. I don't know that you would see 
a meaningful change by moving to manual entry now, not much is going to change. Whereas at the time when we did it, it was like, oh my gosh, like it was so eye-opening to what was going on. And that really helped us readjust where we were putting our money. I would totally see that even even if I did, I, I still would get benefit out of it because this is the, the honest truth on it. I would be so annoyed having to manually enter that I would just stop spending money. Oh yeah. Cause I know that I'd have to go take that minute and go do it. And every time a transaction, I'd be so annoyed after a month <laughs> that I just, F it. I'm not making, I'm not doing it, I'm not spending money. <laughs> like even though it's kind of happening now with COVID, but one of the things I was thinking about and how I was trying to figure out how we could transition really back to it, but the concept of like parenting your spouse, like no one wants to do that. I feel like entering in transactions would really lend that situation or the scenario to come up quite often. But how does someone who's listening to this, say they're the, the household CFO, they're like, okay, I want to make some actionable things out of this podcast. How do they feel like they're not going to go then turn around and start parenting their spouse and probably getting yelled at? Well, and at that point, you know, it, it might be what Nick said. Maybe you do start out with things automated because I think the great thing about budgeting is just like any other habit or self-help kind of thing. It builds on itself. So initially I wasn't that interested in the budget and I wasn't interested in entering my transactions. I did it to appease Nick, but now like I actually want to know those things. So I want to know ahead of time and think about ahead of time how I'm spending my money and how I'm spending our money and not just look backwards at it and go like, oh crap, I spent all my spending money on, I don't even remember what, and now I want this thing over here and I can't even tell you what I spent my spending money on. So I wanted to be more aware in the moment of the choices that I was making purchasing. So now I enjoy entering my transactions for that reason. And even things as little as when I'm buying our groceries, maybe I don't buy LaCroix because I'm looking at our grocery budget and we really don't have much left. And I'd rather buy healthy, better quality meat or, you know, vegetables or whatever. And I know that if I buy LaCroix and whatever snack foods, that's going to take away from the grocery budget that I have to do all of our other healthy eating kind of goals for the rest of the month. So that was kind of the transition that happened for me. Yeah, I think just because that's the way we get it doesn't mean that that's the way anybody listening should do it. I think like marriage is very unique and you've got to you got to certainly find that line. Looking back, I'm not sure if I would have been such a stickler for manual entry that early on. Like I think it probably caused some unnecessary fighting that could have been avoided had we done linking and and like importing. And so again, I'm not sure that I would do that. However, what I would say to this question is Two things. One, it's a fine line with your spouse. So if you're the household CFO and you're trying to bring your spouse on budget, you got to have a lot of empathy, like I said, for where they're at, which is recognizing, like you said, Ryan, Taylor's not going to want to enter transactions. It's just not going to happen. So like maybe that's not a hill that you should die on, Mm -hmm. right? You should die on some other hill. That's a bigger deal, right? And that kind of leads me to the second thing, which is everybody every human has certain things that really matter to them, right? Whether it's a clean car, making the bed, keeping your hair out of the shower, balancing the budget, having the toys picked up in the kids' room. Like, I don't know what it is for you and Taylor, but I guarantee you guys both have little idiosyncrasies that really matter. And when Taylor doesn't do something, that's like your thing or vice versa. So I think in marriage, it's recognizing what are those things for your spouse? And then just out of love, just do those things. Like there's probably three of them, you know, there's not that many. I think over time we've learned what those are for each other. 
And for good or bad, one of mine is like, is the finances, right? And just making sure that we're, and Hannah out of love has embraced maybe a more intense financial management system than, than others, you know, would have. And then on the other hand, one of Hannah's is like how intensely we take our health. And so one example where I've sort of just been like, yep, I'll, I'll jump on board with that is uh, we drink 16 ounces of celery juice every single morning, which is disgusting, but it's good for our health. Supposedly I'm like, Hey, if that's what you want to do, I will juice celery with you the night before and clean that juicer and I will drink it the next morning. So that's what we do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love it. You know, there's, there's like four or 5,000 physicians that listen to this. Right. So I'm curious, like of everyone listening where they're like, is is that actually really healthy? Like, I don't know. I'm curious. I don't know. We've been doing it with my grandma too. And her endocrinologist said, keep doing it. She said, if nothing else, it's really good hydration. So maybe people listening to this podcast will disagree. I don't know. I'd be interested to know. Yeah. Tag tag us on social. If if you guys want to let us know if it's good or bad, I'm always curious. I will say it has definitely hundred percent helped with my acid reflux. It has significantly gone down since we got on the celery juice train. So I'll keep doing it. But coming back to the budget, you know, Nick, with everybody that he works with, he always has people start with a tracking budget. And once you do that, I feel like for most people, once you are tracking your money and you're looking back and you're not completely happy with where it's going, I feel like it does make you want to take a more proactive approach and be more open to entering your transactions and all those types of things because you do you do want to be making decisions ahead of time to make sure that you're using your money as a tool. And so Nick and I have both gotten on the same page with that, where we've got really big goals and we want to be using our money efficiently to enjoy now and prepare for later. And so we just know that for us, entering our transactions in YNAB is part of that. Yeah, I think the the last thing I'll maybe say on this is that's helpful is never pitting yourself against your spouse when it comes to the money. One of the things I like about using YNAB or any other tool is you can kind of make the tool do the the bad kind of the bad news, right? You can kind of make the tool be the bad guy where you guys talk about your dreams, which is for a lot of physicians, maybe it's that dream home, that dream trip, that dream, whatever. Paying off student loans. Paying off student loans, whatever that dream is for you, the dream car. For us, we wanted to buy an Airstream. Is the Airstream the cheapest, most practical RV? Gosh, no, it's like the most expensive, but that's what we wanted. And so for us, when we set up all these goals and we talked about it and we outlined it in YNAB to say, okay, here's what we got to do every month to hit these goals. Then when either one of us started getting off track with our spending, it wasn't really us getting mad at each other. It was, hey, let's like YNAB telling us you're not going to hit your goal of getting that Airstream if you don't kind of get this in line, right? Which I think is helpful too, because then it's more of you guys working together with your money rather than you working against each other. Yeah. I think that's a really important transition too, as you're making is like you go from tracking to actually implementing and there's those goals that everyone has, right? Everyone's got different goals. Individually, you have different goals and then together mm-hmm. you have together goals, I hope, right? You, you hope that's the way this, this works. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't say that too and like and be there, but okay. But the transition, not everyone uses YNAB, but it, you know, it, that transition to like, okay, I'm going to actually start paying attention to this. I'm going to start tracking some stuff to like making that change to now implementation through those goals. Like talk me a little bit through, through that piece. One example would be Hannah and I both get individual amounts of spending money each month. 
And we're big on that because it builds individuality into the budget and it builds like this layered in, you don't get to tell me what to do with this money. Like if I want to go blow it, I get to blow it. You don't get to say anything. So it builds some freedom in it. And when we've talked about new goals, like for example, literally yesterday, we were talking about getting more aggressive towards a down payment on a, on a real estate investment property. So yesterday we were even talking like, okay, actually, I think we want to up our goal. We've been kind of talking about doing this maybe early 2021. What if we could say 15,000 by October of this year? Like, what does that look like? What does that change? And oftentimes when we talk through that together and we both sort of agree then it's very natural where we look at the budget. And a lot of the times, Hannah, who's quote unquote, maybe enjoys spending a little more than I do, has often been the one to say, hey, I'm willing to decrease our monthly spending amount. Like what if we cut our monthly individual spending in half for the next six months? That's going to free up, you know, whatever. And now that can go straight to the down payment on the rental property yeah, or whatever, right? And we'll do that with a bunch of categories, but it's getting really clear on like what matters to you guys both first. And then going back to the budget and looking at like what's discretionary and where can you quickly go like, we don't need that much on Amazon, you know, like, come on, we can, we can pull it back a little bit. Yeah. That's the one thing I've always looked at. Now, Amazon, I get like, we used to do like the diapers and the wipes and the dog food. Like totally. I get that you spend a lot of stuff that is not fun and enjoyable on Amazon, but yeah, after hundreds. It's just so easy to add that little fun thing in there though, right beside the diapers. Oh yeah. Well, and you know, like the, the dopamine hit and like you get the excitement oh, of yeah. opening the box and then you put whatever it is in the closet and never look at it again. I mean, there's, there's <laughs> lots of things to enjoy, but I mean, Nick, and you know this, right? Cause you've now seen dozens and dozens and dozens of physician budgets that physicians typically spend a lot of money on Amazon. So it has its own yep. category Yep, and it's, tough. I mean, you work a long time you got I get it. a really rough job and get home. You've got two seconds before someone's screaming for something. I mean, it's an easy, quick fix, but uh, yeah, Amazon gets in our house too. Now COVID has changed this, but it's two hours. I click a button yeah. and two hours yeah. later, something comes. It's kind of bonkers. It's what wild. <laughs> yeah. Most people are like the two day shipping is fantastic. Well, in San Diego, it's two hours <laughs> and someone hand delivers it. It's it's pretty nuts. So Nick, I, kn- I know, and I'm curious, Hannah, if you're into this or not, but I get to cheat a little bit because I get to talk to Nick all the time and we've got <laughs> similar thoughts on a lot of this, but celebrating the quick wins, celebrating the fun milestones. Taylor, I will, I blast her on this one because I worked so hard to pay off her student debt. I worked so hard, like, and I tracked it. I did all the PSLF. Then we got out of it. Then we refinanced. We did all these things. And when I said, hey, honey, we're, we're done with your loans. Like I've made the last payment. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. I, no, I need you to run around the room and like, I don't think you heard me like in the, air. You, the last payment on your student debt's done. Okay. <laughs> well, I knew, I knew you were going to do it. I'm like, but I did it. It is done. <laughs> you don't seem to be comprehending what I'm saying to you. <laughs> you realize this wasn't my debt, right? Like <laughs> it's done. So you know, that was a huge win and it wasn't even like super celebrated. I tried to have gotten her. Now we've gotten in a much better habit of celebrating the fun things and the quick wins and the, and I mean, literally, I mean, even stuff with the kids we celebrate. I was curious. I know Nick's kind of thought on this, which Nick, I, want, I do want you to describe it, but you know, Hannah, are you kind of in that quick win celebrate 
you know, celebration and milestones and that stuff? I totally am. I totally am. So when we paid off our Airstream, we definitely celebrated. And I think the big thing that we were celebrating too was how many options we felt like we had now. Like, ah, we feel like so much more freedom now that that Airstream payment is gone. And we feel like, you know, our options to buy a rental property and all of that stuff, like the doors just blew off all of that to to actually start looking into doing some of those things that we've been dreaming about. Yeah, I think for for us, a lot of times, it's always funny when you reach a financial goal and you celebrate by spending money. Like that can always just feel a little funny. So a lot of the times our celebrations are not expensive, but they're more like taking a moment to seriously like appreciate us coming together as a couple and getting something done. And so like, and it might be sitting down at the computer for 30 minutes together to look at rental properties in the area where we want to buy. That might be the celebration. Yeah. Kind of thinking and dreaming about that next big thing. Right. Most of the time, our celebrations consist of going to Waffle House, which (laughs) is like a thing in the Southeast. And uh, it's very not expensive at all, but there's just, God, there's just something to it, man. It's a special place. Then you just drink some extra celery juice in the morning and just flush it all out. That's right. That's right. So, but no, I mean, it really is. It's it's normally something very small. Although sometimes we've gone to like really nice uh, restaurants, like when we were in Fairhope and went to that Sunset Grill, Mm -hmm. you know, we've done some nicer like things to celebrate, but generally it's just taking the time to go like, man, kudos to us. You know, I'm glad we're married. I'm glad we did that. Yeah, I, I'm such a fan of like the small wins, the quick, because that, that's the stuff that keeps you motivated, right? Yep. The, the gamification of all of this. And I've mentioned it before on the show, but I think it's always good to reference it back of like how even video games are built, right? When you initially start a game and you level up really quick and then the next time it still feels really fast, but it took a little bit longer. And then the next time, you know, it's getting those wins. They're training you Mm -hmm. to go like, this is a cool thing. That's why the confetti shoots out or whatever it is that bright lights or anything that happens on the screen is because they're training you like the little wins are are going to get you playing longer and that's obviously what they want as a video game but if you think about like if you celebrate the little wins the bigger goals become a lot more manageable and then and you're like well i know what it feels like to win and i want to win with that goal yep and i think that's important like for your audience too of physicians you know they've gone through school for years and years and years they've done something that a lot of people think isn't possible just by completing their education so i think reflecting back on that and remembering those wins and using that to help build your confidence even in budgeting even though it's unrelated to go like hey i pushed through this thing over here and it was really hard and a lot of people will never put in that effort to do that thing and i can transfer that energy and do that with my budget too And just like the rest of this conversation, it's all about knowing yourself and knowing your spouse. Because I will tell you this, Hannah and I have different timelines for what we think of as a quick win. When we were in school together, we'd start off a semester. And after the first week, I would go like only 15 more weeks. And like, to me, that was like encouraging. Like I I could stick out and Hannah would be like, shut up, get out in the yard, go sleep outside. Why would you say that? 15 weeks sounds way too long. Like don't start counting down until like five days, you know, till, (laughs) till the end of the semester. Yeah. I I'm kind of with you on that one. Like 15 weeks is not a short win, (laughs) but but it's all relative because, you know, when we're building out financial plans and things, there's things that you can address right now yep. that are like the low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. And there's always things that, you know, are red flags. You don't have disability coverage. Guess what? That is an eight to like 12 week process. 
So I want to give you a quick win. That's not the quick one. That's a big win that we need to get yep. accomplished. But what's something that we can do? Oh, you can actually close down that credit card that, you know, you never used and or whatever it may be, you know, to get some quick win checked off because that you just get going. And once it kind of just is that snowball effect, right? Mm -hmm. It just keeps building and building and building. So I really appreciate having you guys on. Like, Are there any kind of parting words you want to give before we tell everyone where we can find you guys? Like any other last minute heads ups if you're trying to figure out how to do this, you know, budgeting thing with a spouse? What I would say is just like an overall mentality change that I think that we had. And Chip and Joanna Gaines talk about this in their book about how they made a transition of like life as a game of tug of war. And they finally stopped pulling on opposite ends of the rope and decided to get on the same end of the rope and pull together. And we've always loved that metaphor. And we have felt that metaphor in our life, especially with our money. And so I think going into it with that mindset and always thinking when you're butting heads with your spouse and like things don't feel like they're going well and whatever, thinking about, okay, it feels like we're pulling on opposite ends of the rope. How can I be the one to come over on their side of the rope and start pulling with them and make this go better? And I think perfectly to that point, if it feels like you are, if you try some of the stuff we've even shared and it feels like you're still just pulling on opposite ends of the rope in your finances, I would encourage you to actually stop talking or worrying about finances for the next few months and focus on other parts of your marriage. Maybe remember back to why you got married in the first place. Yeah, what find is some it? reasons to like each other. Yeah, if you've <laughs> you know, I mean, but but for real, like we've had some tough times in our marriages, and like during those times, we don't talk about money. Like mm -hmm. we talk about other stuff, and and so finding those hobbies or those you know ways to basically focus on your friendship with your spouse, and then if you can really sort of make that friendship strong, then down the road, it will be much easier and natural to transition to financial conversations. Yeah. Then you want to pull on the rope with them. If you don't like each other and your, your friendship is suffering, you don't want to get on the same side of the rope. So. Yeah. I really, really like that. The tug of war thing. That is fantastic. I love Chip and Joanna. Like I, I don't get to watch TV much because I work in podcasting. <laughs> a five and a four-year-old now, uh, but, but I love their personalities. And like, I want to kind of go Google this reference now even more and kind of see how they said it. Cause I, I think it's a great one for all the clients that, that listen to the show. You guys obviously get to work with Nick, but for those that don't know what you guys do outside of physician well services and, and Nick, tell everyone you know, about your YouTube channel, your killer podcast you guys just launched. Yeah. So the, the podcast is our newest thing and it's just the mapped out money podcast. And that's our place to kind of dig deeper into some of the topics that Nick covers on YouTube and go into some of the more nuanced conversations around those things. So it's both of us every week talking through some of our own uh, money and mindset issues, experiences, and how we're working together to improve our life in general, really. Yeah. I mean, like your show, Ryan, we try to keep it a good balance of like legit finance topics that are like money and dollars and numbers. And then uh, another good balance of conversations like these, right? A little more lightweight, but more mindset, more life personality driven conversations. Yeah. Because as, as you know, it's also tied together. So, um, you know, money isn't just about money. Yep. So check that out if you want to. And I'll make sure that we link to your YouTube channel. Again, I've highlighted a couple of your videos on air, like telling them to go look at it and what I've loved about because you, you guys just have a cool concept of thinking about money and how you interact with it. But if anyone is like, hey, I'm going to actually get my S 
H I T together. <laughs> and I'm going to, you know, start looking at, you know, maybe you need a budget and, and that Nick has fantastic videos that even rank above the company itself on walking through YNAB, how to do it, how to be effective with it. Really the authority on it at this point, Nick. So appreciate you guys being on and, uh, yeah. Thanks so much. Good. Good to hang out with you, Hannah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> so it's time for our quick community update. And I've been messing around with a few things on the show and trying a few new things out. And the, the feedback honestly was amazing when we did the daily show in April and, you know, answering your guys' questions and it was pretty tough to coordinate, to be honest, all the questions coming in and then me recording the stuff the night before that we were getting it out because honestly, things were changing daily and I had a really good time doing it. It just wasn't really sustainable and I wish it was because I, I know that it was valuable and I had fun. I just, it was tough and I just wanted to help you guys out as much as I could and be a familiar voice in this really crazy, uncertain time with the markets going nuts and COVID-related things and you guys just working your butts off, saving all of us. So hopefully it was helpful. I know the feedback was fun. I know the feedback was great. But I have a project podcast, if you will, that I've been doing off and on that's called Physician Finance Minute. And I haven't really talked much about it. Honestly, I'd, actually, I don't even know if I've, even mentioned it because I wanted to see if I could actually keep it up. And this was pre COVID. I've been doing it. And then I stopped a little bit to do the daily shows here. And then I came back to this really this last few months, being able to batch record these short one to two minute clips in advance. Turns out that I can actually keep it going. So I want all of you guys to check it out. It's called Physician Finance Minute. I'm going to keep it going probably through the end of the year, and then I'll reassess to see if it was valuable for you all, if I should keep you know, continuing to create that content. I just want to make sure that I'm helping a ton of physicians understand and feel more comfortable about personal finance. I don't anticipate the show to be as large as this show, uh, really, because it's you can go in and just listen to one minute, two minute daily tips and pick the topics that you want to hear about. So if you're interested, I'd love for you to go check it out. It's the daily podcast called Physician Finance Minute, and it's on every major podcast player that's out there. So go check it out. One to two minute digestible tips on something related to personal finances as a physician. And if you have feedback, good or bad, I've got thick skin. It's all good. Email me, ryan at financialresidency.com. Let me know if you liked it. Let me know if you hated it. If you want me to keep doing it, if you think I should throw in the towel and do something on financial residency instead. And in fact, if you want to give me feedback, that'd be perfect. But also give me feedback on this show. I want to hear from you guys. I want to know how I can make this better, how I can create content that you want to hear, the things that you don't want to Google and you want me to explain it as a financial expert in the best way that I can. I'm here to help you guys. I want this to be enjoyable, fun, engaging content. So email me, ryan at financialresidency.com. Now, before we end, I have to give you that important disclaimer. It's really, really important, right? Gaining control of your finances starts with listening and accessing the high quality information that I'm giving you. But as you've seen lately, laws change, times change, and sometimes the content you access online via podcasts or blogs aren't the best source for timely insight. It's important to me that you protect yourself and ask the right questions to the right people. 
So contact a CPA, an attorney, or reach out to us, fee-only financial planners, before you make any big financial decisions, because this show is for entertainment purposes only. Have a great week. I'll see you on Friday. Cheers. Cheers.